And so we are still in our series right now called True Story, Life-Changing Truths from the Parables of Jesus, uh, where we're going through the parables of Jesus and hopefully shedding some light on these sometimes uh, confusing, confusing stories. Today, we will be in Matthew 24, verses 45 through 51. Um, the parable is over the faithful, wise servant versus the unfaithful and wicked servant. The title of our message today is called Caught Slippin'. And so caught slipping is a popular term within uh, pop culture. Um, it's in a lot of rap songs. I like rap. Can I, can I say that on camera as a pastor that I like rap music? Well, anyway, it's a popular term in, in rap songs or in pop culture that means to be caught off guard in a bad way. For example, uh, if you're at work or you work at an office and your boss has given you um, a task or he's asked you, he or she has asked you to do something, and instead you get on Facebook or you get on your phone and then boss turns the corner into your office and they catch you on Facebook or doing whatever it was that you weren't supposed to be doing, you got caught slipping. For me, whenever I was growing up, uh, I played football. And I can remember um, one instance where my, my quarterback underthrew the football, it was intercepted. And so the DB is running down the field with the ball. I'm trying to prevent a touchdown and I'm not keeping my head on a swivel like they teach you to do in football. I'm not prepared. And as I'm trying to make this tackle, I get blindsided. Next thing I know, my feet are above my head. And I'm staring up at the sky. I got caught off guard in a bad way. I got caught slipping. So turn with me in your Bibles or your Bible app to Matthew 25, excuse me, Matthew 24, verses 45 through 51. And let's read this together. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed, and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, that master of the servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth." Before we begin, I want to give a quick shout out to Pastor Matt for assigning me this parable to tackle, this beautiful parable um, where Jesus is saying he's going to cut people into pieces um, and throw them into hell. So thank you, Pastor Matt, for that one. Uh, so Jesus tells this parable uh, during Holy Week or the week um, before his crucifixion. We know his crucifixion was on a Friday. Scholars think that this conversation uh, took place on a Tuesday. And he is talking to his disciples. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he is exhorting them to be prepared, to be watchful for his return. He tells them and us four stories. We've got one, the thief in the night, the 10 maidens, the talents, and then number four, the one he tells us today and the one that we're gonna be focusing on today is the parable of the faithful servant versus the unfaithful servant. 
So Jesus begins this parable with a question. Who is the wise, faithful servant and who is the wicked servant? He's trying to get us thinking here. The master or the boss has given them, the servants, uh, a task. And in the case of this parable, it is the distribution of food. Jesus says that the master will return and the one that he finds doing so, doing his work vigilantly or faithfully, will be blessed and promoted over all of his possessions. It's a sweaty, pretty, pretty sweet deal, right? I mean, it sounds awesome. If you do your job right, you get rewarded. Uh, this is perfectly il- illustrated in a, a story that Erin Schrage told me. I had asked her a while back, how do you keep all of your kids on task? Uh, if you don't know, the Shragis have, have many kids and, and I eventually want to be a father. And so I was asking her, uh, how do you keep all of your kids on task? And she says that when she gives them a task, uh, she walks around and as she finds them doing what they're supposed to be doing, she gives them an M&M. And so the kids know that if they're given a task and they do it when mom walks in, they get rewarded, they get an M&M. That's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying the master returns and gives the faithful servants an M&M. The other servant, on the other hand, sees the master is delayed in returning. We don't know, maybe he got caught in traffic or maybe uh, his flight was delayed. We don't know, but we know that he was delayed. And the unfaithful servant notices this. He looks around and he sees the master isn't back yet. And he takes this moment um, to exploit his temporary power. He takes advantage of it. He acts abusively selfishly indulging and gorging himself. And suddenly in the midst of all of the the abuse and selfishness and gluttony, knock, knock, knock. The master has returned unexpectedly. The consequences of the unfaithful servant are dire. The punishment is severe. The word used to describe this is dichotomasi, which is Greek and it means to cut in two, referring to the disembodiments of the condemned person. And Jesus does not stop there, no. He then says that the person will be uh, assigned to a place with the hypocrites. And this place is described as a place of, of agony and despair. And Jesus describes it as a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. When Jesus describes putting him there, the word is meros, which in Greek has connotations of share um, and share as in regards to an inheritance. So Jesus is saying to him, you will reap what you sow. Essentially, I will put you in a place that fits your actions where you will get what you deserve. And it is accepted by scholars that the use of this word here implies that it is lasting uh, or eternal. And we know that the place of, of lasting eternal agony and punishment where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, we know that is hell. So let's get this straight. You mean that Jesus, meek, mild, long-haired, soft-smiling, walking around carrying a baby lamb, Jesus, is saying he's going to cut people into pieces and throw them in hell. What on earth do we do with this? Why is Jesus using such, such vivid graphic language. I think it's to prove a point. I think it's to make your jaw drop. I think it's to get your attention. As I read through this parable, I've got to be completely honest. I was stumped. 
This is a hard parable. Um, it's scary. And in a time where depression and anxiety are so rampant, the last thing that I want to do is bully you into trying to be faithful um, and, and, and faithful to God's commands 24-7, 365 days out of the year. And, and I know reading this and we see metaphors of God and Jesus as master and us as, as slaves or servants, it's easy to feel oppressed or it's easy to feel like God is a slave driver and you better be doing your job when he returns or else. But uh, I don't think Jesus is a slave driver and I hope that you don't either. And I do not think Jesus is going to be cutting people into pieces, but he does want to get your attention though. And what he is saying in this parable is a matter of eternal life or eternal punishment. And he wants you to understand that he is returning and he does not want you to get caught slipping when he does. Because if you get caught slipping, the consequences are dire. There is a severe punishment. Some scholars believe that the Greek word dichotomesi, which you remember means to be cut into two, is actually um, in the Aramaic language. So Aramaic is the, the language Jesus spoke. It's actually an Aramaic phrase, which refers to someone being cut off. So Jesus isn't saying he's going to cut you into pieces or cut you in half, but he is saying that because of your actions, he will have no choice but to cut you off. And so what's worse than being cut into pieces by God? It's being cut off from God for eternity. And so what does it look like to be cut off from God? If I can be completely frank with you, it means to be in hell which is the total absence of God. I think people have all kinds of perceptions about uh, what hell is. We almost picture it as people in red tights um, with pitchforks listening to to Pink Floyd records backwards. Uh, Or maybe you read Dante's Inferno and your idea of hell is based on the divine comedy. But Jesus wants us to take this place serious. This is why he uses such vivid graphic language. Hell is the absence of God. And we know, according to James, every good gift, every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. And so hell is the absence of every good and perfect thing. It is the presence of hurt and evil and shame and guilt and brokenness, the total absence of God completely cut off from him. If you're like me, when you hear that, it's it's scary. It's a bit concerning to say the very least. So what, what the heck do we do? Well, I'm glad that you asked. Here's the point of this. This is, this is important because I do not want to undermine the words of Jesus here in this parable. The point is to be faithful because Jesus is coming back and you do not want to be caught slipping. Now you're probably wondering, well, what does it look like? What, is, what does faithfulness look like? How do I remain faithful. If you're young and unmarried, I know it's, it's, it's hard to stay uh, sexually pure, especially in this day and age. Um, it's easy to give into temptation and it's, it's pretty encouraged if we're being completely honest. Um, even well after becoming a Christian, this is something that I personally struggled with. But remaining faithful is choosing to live counterculturally and live a life that honors God. And maybe if you aren't necessarily young anymore, and you're, uh, and you're wondering why God hasn't brought you a spouse. 
and you're tempted to settle or maybe you're tempted to compromise your Christian convictions. Faithfulness is continuing to remain steadfast in your pursuit of Jesus. If you're a mom or a dad, it's raising your kids to love Jesus uh, and love others, even though kids make it hard sometimes. I know I sure made it hard on my mom. If you're a small group leader, it's staying dedicated to helping those in your group grow spiritually and help foster a sense of community, even though it's often very, very time consuming. Maybe you work at a job you don't like, um, or maybe you don't like your boss and you find it hard to stay motivated at work. Faithfulness is working diligently and with all of your heart. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. But sometimes real life happens um, and the master seems to be delayed. We've been given this life and we're, we're hopeful for the life to come. But we find ourselves in the meantime between Jesus's first coming and his next. Here in this parable, God has given the, the, God has given, excuse me, the servants a task and the servants find themselves in the meantime between the assignments and the return of the master. I've been there, heck, I'm there right now. We're all right there right now in the meantime. And sometimes the meantime is long and it's dark and it's lonely. Maybe it's depressing and it is tempting to lose faith and to be unfaithful. What about you? Anybody else out there? What's your in-between? Is it a prayer request that just doesn't seem to be heard? Is it the bills that seem to be piling up even though you're a faithful tither? Is it a bad doctor's report that seemed to come out of nowhere? Is it uh, a bad breakup? Maybe it's the feeling of impatience because the master is delayed. Is it an epidemic that has shut down your place of work and taken away your income? Sometimes we just get bored. Um, sometimes like the, the wicked servant, we get lazy. Uh, I know I don't always do what I know that I should do just because sometimes I don't feel like it. Right now, it's very easy to be discouraged, um, especially today when we can't even get together physically as a church. I know in times like these, sometimes it's hard to read your Bible. Sometimes it's, it's hard to pray and hard uh, to have hope. For me, I get disheartened um, uh, because I often look at my own life and compare myself to others and I'm filled with this, this dissatisfaction. And when I indulge in this, I find myself frustrated with God in the sense that he's let me down. It's hard to stay faithful when God seems delayed. And to be completely honest, sometimes it's just hard to be a Christian in general. It isn't... Um, like a Disney movie, there's no bippity boppity boo or this becomes that and you're fixed and everything's perfect and cops don't just pull you over to tell you to have a nice day. If you're speeding, you're gonna get a ticket. It's not always sunshine and rainbows. It's often hard to be a faithful follower of Jesus. There are moments that I get so down even as a Christian that I, I, I want to quit ministry. I look at other pastors my age who are leading churches and I think, what the, the heck am I doing? It's hard to be faithful, but it's worth it. And so now that we know what faithfulness looks like, 
and what often hinders that, let's dive into how we can remain faithful. I've got four points. Number one, commitment. As followers of Jesus, we are called to live by commitments and devotions, not feelings and emotions. I often find myself um, not doing exactly what I know I should do just because I don't necessarily want to, whether it be taking out the trash, whether it be doing the dishes. I don't know anybody who likes to do dishes, but my roommates and I have an agreement that after you do, after you make some food or you you make a mess or whatever it is that you clean it up, you do your dishes so that they don't pile it up. Oftentimes I don't feel like doing that, but I've made a commitment to my roommates that I will wash my dishes. Uh, Muhammad Ali, uh, one of the greatest boxers of all time. He is a quote, one of my favorite quotes of all time. He says, I hated every minute of training, but I told myself, don't quit. Suffer now and live the rest of your life as a champion. I love that because he's telling us in anything in life, if you want to succeed, sometimes it's hard, but you've got to stay committed. Number two, as I mentioned earlier, I sometimes struggle with looking at my current circumstance and begin to feel dissatisfied or like God isn't hearing me. So number two is focus on the promise, not the present. And what I mean by that is focus on what God has said, not what the world is saying. Because right now it's easy to look around and be dissatisfied or be frustrated because every store is out of toilet paper and businesses are closing. But we have to remember to look at the promises of God. One of my favorite verses is Galatians 6, 9. It says, let us not grow weary in doing good for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. You will reap the harvest if you don't give up, if you don't quit, and if you don't lose heart. So number three, accountability. You cannot go through life alone. We are designed to be in community with others. We know Batman had Robin, Rocky had Apollo, Timothy had Paul. You need somebody that you can lean on. You need somebody that has your back. Uh, recently, or not too recently, but I went through a difficult season and I was blessed to have a friend who would, who would let me vent, um, but then they would tell me, hey, rub some dirt on it, get back in the game because you've got a job to do. We need people in our lives like that around us who help us stay accountable and stay faithful, especially, especially when life is hard. And four, last And the most important point, number four, is trust in Jesus. Trust in Jesus. I know sometimes it is much easier to be the wicked, unfaithful servant. Not only is it much easier, oftentimes it's our natural inclination. Paul knew that too, and he confessed to us in Romans, for I do not do the good I want but the evil I do not want to do, I keep on doing. Can you relate to that? I know that I can. I can relate to being tired and impatient and then giving into those feelings, which then leads to unfaithfulness. Paul gives us hope a few verses later. 
and our hope is named Jesus, amen? He says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Man, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So who will deliver us? Who will give us hope? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's who. In our strength, we can't always remain committed. In our own strength, it is impossible not to look around at everything going on and be discouraged. But Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our strength. He is our endurance. He is where our help comes from. He is the faithful servant. Ephesians 2 says that we are all dead in our sins and trespasses, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. We're all headed towards this place of, of weeping and gnashing of teeth, but Jesus intervened. Aren't you glad this morning, church, that Jesus intervened? Christ is the faithful servant, and as we follow him, he makes us faithful and righteous. This parable exists to reveal our dire need for him. Because of his love for us, and because of his faithfulness, if we accept the sacrifice that he made and receive Jesus into our life as our personal Lord and our savior, we become co-heirs with Christ. Because of Christ, our share is now not eternal separation from God, but eternal inheritance in heaven with God. Can I read one more passage uh, of scripture with you guys uh, before we close this morning? It's Romans 10, 9 through 13. It says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified. And with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there's no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And there are some of you watching online that have not yet made that decision to follow Jesus. And, and I do not want you to be crushed um, this morning, but I want you to feel the weight of the words um, that Jesus intended you to feel. The master is returning and we need to be ready. And we get ready by surrendering our life to Jesus Christ and making him our Lord and savior. Because it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what, you're struggling with, it doesn't matter how um, unfaithful you have been or what you've done, Jesus loves you. So let's pray together. Lord, I wanna thank you for your grace and I wanna thank you for your love and I wanna thank you for your mercy. And Lord, thank you for your word that you've given us to reveal who you are and to warn us that you are coming back and that we need to be ready. Thank you, Lord, for, for dying on the cross for our sins. Thank you, Lord, for being the faithful servant because we are often 
so uh, not capable of doing it ourselves. So thank you for doing for us what we could not do ourselves. Thank you for the great love that you have for us. And I ask if there's anybody uh, who's watching, who is discouraged or who's fearful or, or panicked or anxious or depressed, that you would remind them, Lord, your word, that you didn't give us that spirit of fear, but you gave us uh, a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. Amen. Thanks for tuning in, guys.